Reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Asrihil Aziz stated that the blessings of Allah the Almighty that are showered upon the community of the true servant of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in accordance with the promise of Allah the Almighty, are mentioned in the report of the Jalsa. In the report, I mentioned that it is not possible to mention everything in such limited time with regards to how Allah the Almighty bestows His blessings and how Allah the Almighty opens the hearts of people towards the Jamaat and also how Allah the Almighty strengthens people's faith and how He leaves the enemies completely unsuccessful. And people write countless accounts and incidents to me and I will mention some of them today as well because these incidents become a means of strengthening the faith of the hearts of many Ahmadis. With regards to how Allah the Almighty enables fortunate souls to enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat through various means of tabligh, i.e. preaching the message of Islam Ahmadiyyat, and how new jamaats of the community are being established, the local missionary in Congo Kinshasa, Hamid Sahib, where we also have a FM radio station, he writes the following in regards to this that after listening to our radio program in Uvera, the Imam of the local mosque, Isa Sahib, contacted us and then came to the mission house. He understood the message of the Jamaat and did the bath while he pledged initiation. And as a matter of fact, he did not only do bath, but he returned to his village, Kaliba Anderi, and started doing tabligh there as well. And as a result of his tabligh, i.e. preaching, 24 individuals entered Ahmadiyyat and later when our central missionary went there for a visit, another eight individuals did the bath and in this manner a jamaat was established there. Now on the one hand, we see how Allah the Almighty enabled this good-natured Imam to listen to and understand the message 
And on the other hand, the so-called scholars in Pakistan know nothing besides opposing the Jamaat. Umar Munawar Sahib is a Mu'allim or a local missionary and was sent to a village in the district of Maindombe in Congo, Kinshasa for the purpose of tabligh. He also visited a mosque belonging to the Wahhabi Muslims and distributed leaflets to the people there as well. Some mischievous youngsters started raising a hue and cry outside the mosque and started pelting him with stones. And it is often said that people in Africa are unlettered and therefore willing to listen to what we say. But there is opposition there as well. And the Muallim protected himself from the stones and continued preaching to the others, who were extremely impressed by his level of patience and forbearance. And so, as a result of this, some of those who had left the mosque initially came inside again and started listening to what he was saying. Questions about the Jamaat were asked, and allegations were raised and many questions were answered. Following this, one mischievous young man who was talking boldly said that you go to London in order to perform Hajj, whereas the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, performed all of his pilgrimages in Makkah. Upon this, the Muallim asked him, that tell me first, how many times did the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, perform Hajj? Upon this, the young man stated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has been performing Hajj since he was born. Upon this, the Muallim said that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, only performed one Hajj. Upon this, the Imam and the elders sitting in the mosque reprimanded the youngster and said that you are just creating disorder. Nevertheless, these mischievous individuals were embarrassed and then left, and afterwards, the Imam of the mosque took the delegation of the Jamaat home, where two other Imams and some other individuals were present as well. And as such, 40 to 42 individuals were positively impacted by the tabligh, by the preaching of the Ahmadiyya community, and they performed the bath, and thus a new Jamaat was established there as well. Imam Tamane of Guinea-Bissau says that to this day we have been hearing about the Ahmadiyya community that you do not accept the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him nor the Quran or the Hadith. However, today we have witnessed the Jalsa program and with the blessings of this Jalsa we have had the opportunity to see and listen to your Khalifa who imparted guidance purely in light of the teachings from Allah the Almighty the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and in accordance to the Qur'an and the Ahadith. And today I am convinced that false propaganda is being spread against the community and false propaganda is always spread against divine communities. The Imam from this very mosque then said that today I enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat and shall preach the message of this community to all my people. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he is doing tabligh and new local chapters are being established there. Therefore, as for our opponents in Pakistan, they should not oppose us merely for the sake of it. Rather, they should listen to, read and understand our teachings and then present whatever allegations they may have. This is what the Promised Messiah said time and time again 
that people oppose him, but they ought to first listen to what he has said. Then Amir Sahib of Liberia has written about how Allah the Almighty grants us support in spite of opposition. He says that two years ago, a few people from the Genaglay town of Nimba County entered the fold of Ahmadiyya. He says that prior to this, they were either Christians or non-religious. And after pledging their allegiance, i.e. doing the bath, arrangements were made on a person's veranda for the moral training of these people and for them to pray. One day, after completing the prayer, the local missionary Murtaza Sahib encouraged the people there to pray that Allah the Almighty grants them a suitable land to build a mosque. He says that this area is the centre of Christianity and non-religious people and they do not see Muslims in a good light. Therefore, it was extremely difficult to procure land to construct the mosque. As he was still talking about this, when Mr. Dahan, a non-religious person who did not even believe in God, was sitting there at the time and he stood up and he said that ever since the missionary has been coming to our village, I have witnessed his very good morals. He further said that he meets everyone and eats from a single pot to the extent that he even comes to sit with me, an atheist and drunkard, and asks how I am. And I have never seen such morals before. He said that I have a plot upon which I wanted to build my home, but today I donate this land for the construction of this mosque. And so a few days later, he also pledged his allegiance, I did the bath, and gave up drinking alcohol completely and undertook a revolutionary change and continued to progress in his sincerity. And he progressed in his level of sincerities to such a degree whereby people witnessed how he changed into a completely different person. And the construction of the mosque began there and the people complained to the chief there that he should not permit the building of the mosque. However, Mr. Dahan, with great courage said that I gave the land for the construction of the mosque and it shall be built here. And so the mosque construction was completed and this is the first mosque in the area and it was named the Baitul Nur Mosque. <clears throat> Thus, this is how, by the grace of Allah the Almighty, non-Muslims and even atheists who do not believe in God not only attain certainty in the existence of God, but they also accept Islam as the true religion. In the Nyanza-like city of Burundi, there was a lot of opposition to the community there due to the Muslims there and the Imam of the Sunni mosque made every effort to close down the mosque of the Jamaat. He even tried meeting with government officials, but to no avail. And our Muallim, Hamza Endovimana Sahib, called the Imam for a question and answer session. And during this session, the topic of the death of Jesus was discussed. When the Muallim proved the death of Jesus through the Quranic evidence, this self-proclaimed scholar was left with no answer. 
And so he started to fight with the Mu'allim and issued an edict of disbelief against the community. Thereupon, a Christian stood up and supported the community's stance, making it clear to the cleric that the Ahmadiyya community are the ones who are Muslims, stating that his understanding in fact of Islam was beyond comprehension, whereas theirs, i.e. the Ahmadiyya Jamaat, was easily understood. On the other hand, a quarrel broke out amongst those clerics in their mosque, leading the government to get involved, and so the government had to shut down their mosque for three months. Hence, they wanted to have our mosque closed down, however, their own mosque was the one that was shut down. And now, this is the scheme the so-called scholars are pursuing everywhere in order to close down the mosques of the Ahmadis. Just like in Pakistan, if the mosques are not shut down, then they break the minarets or mihrabs. However, it is not written anywhere in the law of Pakistan that Ahmadis are not permitted to build minarets. However, the government has no choice but to bow down to these so-called scholars and clerics. In any case, they are exerting their full efforts to cause harm in any way. However, inshallah, God willing, they will themselves die out one day. In fact, in Pakistan, we are prohibited from publishing the Holy Quran, let alone the translation of it. And to even publish it is an unforgivable crime, even of the simple Arabic script. In fact, some people have faced such harsh treatment and there have been cases of this as well, just because they were listening to the recitation of the Holy Quran or playing a recording of it. This is the Islam now of these self-proclaimed clerics. These clerics have completely distorted the religion. However, on the other hand, observe how Allah the Almighty is opening paths for us and how we are publishing the Holy Quran in various countries of the world and how our Quran is liked everywhere, especially the translations. And no matter what language they are translated in, people are attracted towards it. A Muallim in Darus Salaam, Tanzania has said that he went to distribute leaflets in one area. He also sells books of the community through which the Blee contacts are made as well. And he says that one day I received a phone call from a non-Ahmadi person who lived 30 kilometers from me and he expressed his wish to purchase the Swahili translation of the Holy Qur'an. The Mu'allim told him that he could find the Qur'an in a nearby area. However, the person replied that I really like the translation and commentary of the community. By all means, others have also translated it. However, the way in which the community has translated it is what I enjoy, as it makes logical sense, and so this is the one I wish to have. Bilal Sahib, who is a missionary in Mali, says that the Ahmadiyya community had the honour of holding a Qur'an exhibition and a student came to the stall and he was introduced to the French translation of the Holy Qur'an and he was told that the current French translation is the best one available. Upon this, this young man said that he already had a copy of the French translation at home which was better than the one produced by the Jamaat. In any case, he went home and brought the Holy Qur'an he then spent over an hour stating how his translation was better than ours. 
and he continued to compare the two translations. However, since he was just-natured, in the end he had no choice but to deem the translation of the community was in fact much better and in reality it was much easier to understand the Qur'an through it. He then purchased a copy of the Holy Qur'an to take away with him. Then there is an incident about how knowledge of the true teachings of Islam and belief in Allah the Almighty increases amongst the Muslims who are pious-natured owing to the teachings of the Jamaat and the literature of the promised Messiah With regards to this, there is an incident that in the Johart book fair, a gentleman named Jelumas who is a software engineer, came to the Jamaat bookstore and began looking at the picture of the Promised Messiah and the Jamaat literature. After a while, the aforementioned gentleman began speaking with our missionary who was on duty and had tears in his eyes. He said that today if I am able to stand before you as a Muslim, then it is only due to the Ahmadiyya Jamaat. The Ahmadiyya Jamaat has conferred a great favour upon me. He was asked whether he was an Ahmadi and what favour did the Jamaat confer upon him. He replied that I am not an Ahmadi but I drifted so far away from religion that I became an atheist. However, in my home my father has a few old books of the Ahmadiyya Jamaat which were written by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiyani Sahib. I studied those books in which Hazrat Mirza Sahib gave proofs for the existence of God Almighty which opened my eyes and left me astounded and I became convinced of the existence of God Almighty. In this way, even people who had become atheists are able to find belief in their faith again owing to the literature of the Jamaat. He further said, I now regularly study the website of the Ahmadiyya Jamaat and the arguments presented by the Ahmadiyya community in favour of Islam strengthen my faith and also increases my knowledge. It is because of the Ahmadiyya community that I am a Muslim today. In the West, there are countries such as Sweden or Denmark etc. who try to dishonour the Holy Qur'an. But when the beautiful teachings of Islam are presented to them, the attitude of the opponents change. Thus, today it is only the Ahmadiyya Jamaat alone who is striving to elevate the status and the rank of the Holy Qur'an in the eyes of others and is explaining its true teachings to others. A German lady says that there was an exhibition of the Holy Qur'an and the literature of the Ahmadiyya community. And this exhibition comprised of different topics of Islam. And Quranic verses and extracts from the Ahadith, i.e. the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, will show that Islam does not promote violence in any way. The lady says that your community has explained the teachings of Islam in an extremely easy to understand manner for us. And I see no reason why we should oppose Islam or the Holy Qur'an. Then how does the propagation of the Holy Qur'an and the literature containing Islamic teachings affect people? 
In regards to this, I will present another incident. In the Golagat book fair, a Muslim professor named Shabana Yasmin Saiba came to see our stall. The person submitting this report says that when she saw our stall, she was extremely happy and she picked up the Assamese translation of the Holy Quran immediately and this exhibition was taking place in Assam and she said to her fellow professor that my dream has come true today. For quite some time I have been in search of the Assamese translation of the Holy Quran and I had a teacher who asked me for the Assamese translation of the Holy Quran on countless occasions but because I did not have it I was not able to provide him with it. And so this pained me greatly and I would have great regret being a Muslim and not being able to provide the translation. After the demise of my teacher, today I finally got hold of one and even if this cost thousands of rupees, I would have bought it. Thus, it is only due to the blessings of Allah the Almighty that even in far-off places where the Holy Quran and other Islamic books are not available for the Muslims, the Ahmadiyya community is able to fulfill their spiritual and religious needs through organizing book fairs. Then during the Dhimaji book fair, there was a lady, Banti Dobaras, who is currently constructing a temple for Lord Shiva and propagates her faith. She is a Hindu. And when she saw our stall, she was left astounded that in an area where there are very few Muslims, there is an Islamic bookstall. And so she came to our stall and started a discussion and she returned very happy and content. The next day, she visited the stall again and brought fruit, etc. for everyone at the stall. And it pleased her greatly to see the Holy Quran. And she bought the Holy Quran and said that today you have fulfilled a dream of mine. She bought the Holy Quran and held it against her chest and she also took a picture with it. The missionary for the Czech Republic, a country of Eastern Europe, says that a youth came to our stall and said that I have come to the conclusion that there is a God, but I do not know which religion will take me to God. And for a number of years now I have been studying various religions, but I have come to the conclusion that only the Ahmadiyya community provides answers to everything in a way which satisfies my heart and mind and I feel a sense of spirituality here. Thus, the mullahs, i.e. the religious clerics, should answer this question that who is propagating the teachings of the Holy Quran to all these people? There are also faith-inspiring accounts about how Allah the Almighty creates the means for avenues of the bleak to be opened. We are completely restricted in Pakistan However, in other places, despite certain hindrances, Allah the Almighty creates ease. For example, a missionary from Guinea-Bissau writes, The last December, we visited the Kapot Island, and during this visit, a great need was felt for our community to have a radio program which could help spread the community's message even faster. However, despite many attempts, the community was not being registered there, which subsequently meant that we could not have a radio program. He says that after completing the visit, a large number of leaflets were printed in Guinea-Bissau 
and was sent to Kaipot, where they were widely distributed. He further says that after reading the leaflet, a person called the community mission house and said that he wished to obtain more information about the community, and so a meeting was arranged. The person was informed about the community, and upon this he stated that why don't you share your community's teachings on the radio? We told him that we have been trying, however, we have been unable to secure a radio program. Upon this, he said that he had his own radio station and he was the director, and so we could conduct our program with his radio station and therefore spread the message of the community. In this way, Allah the Almighty opened a new avenue of tabligh. A missionary from Mali writes that Ahmed Ture, who is from a village in the Kolikoro region, came to the Jalsa Salana Mali and said that in Mali there is a sect which does not give much importance to prayers and the pillars of Islam. Now here this sect does not give any importance to prayers or the pillars of Islam, yet they still call themselves Muslims, whereas according to them Ahmadis are not Muslims. In any case, he continued to say that he belonged to this sect However, his heart was not content. He was pure-natured and expressed that although they say that there is no need for the pillars of Islam and faith or for prayer, his heart was not content with this. And so one day he was listening to the radio and it happened to be a radio program of the community in which the proper manner of offering prayer was being taught. And so he listened to this very attentively, after which he constantly listened to the community's radio program, which developed certainty within him that these people are true Muslims. However, the people in his village told him that all of the Islamic scholars have expelled them from the pale of Islam. He says, When I saw people here offering prayers and tahajjud, a pre-dawn voluntary prayer, I felt contentment in my heart, and I do not know much about religion, but whatever I do know about Islam, I have witnessed it here with my own eyes, and I wish to enter the fold of Ahmadiyyat. As I mentioned, that Ahmadis in Pakistan are banned from reading, listening or even owning a copy of the Holy Qur'an, which is the final law-bearing book, and it is considered a great crime for them. Yet, it is this very same book which the Ahmadiyya community is using to spread the message of Islam to the world and thus reforming the world. The missionary in Micronesia, Sajil Saib, says, some time ago, a person by the name of Simon Giddon contacted me for a copy of the Holy Quran. After some time had passed, unexpectedly I received a message from him saying that he wished to come and meet me. When he arrived at the mosque, he said that he had read the Bible his entire life and in great detail, but despite his attempts, its teachings did not sit well with him and he was unable to understand anything. But when he started reading the Holy Quran, it was as if every word was entering into his heart and he was astonished as to how it was possible for him to have been wrong his entire life and remain deprived of the Holy Qur'an's teachings. After this, he went to his mother and told her that he was going to the mosque to enter the fold of Islam. His relatives were also present there and told him that he was making a huge mistake and chastised him. Upon this, he replied that you can do whatever you like but I am already a Muslim at heart. He says that when Simon mentioned this to me, 
He had tears in his eyes. And not only as he entered the fold of the community, but he now bravely propagates its message. Through the Ahmadiyya community, pure souls around the world are entering the fold of Islam. In relation to this, Amir Sahib Spain writes that after doing a great deal of research, a Spanish man by the name of Francisco Pesos became a Muslim in January 2023. He accepted Islam to be the true religion, but contemplated over the lack of unity amongst the Muslims. He felt that after the era of Hazrat Ali, the Muslims had been unable to unite. He had studied some Islamic history, and he felt that now Muslims could only be united under a system of Khilafat. But where could he find such a system of Khilafat? In March 2023, he came into contact with an Ahmadi named Tariq Saib, who suggested that he research into Ahmadiyyat. Hence, he researched about Ahmadiyyat for three months, and after becoming fully content, he pledged allegiance, I did the bad, and he now regularly attends the Friday prayers and other events. Kharmov Turgan is from Tajikistan and currently resides in Kyrgyzstan. He says that I work here in Kashgar and where I work there are also some Ahmadis and he then named some of them. And he says that I had conversations with them about the Jamaat for about three years after which I was convinced that Ahmadiyyat is the true Islam and that the promised Messiah is indeed the Imam Mahdi and that Jesus has passed away. Hence, I pledged allegiance and entered the fold of the Ahmadiyya Jamaat. He then requests for prayers that please pray that Allah the Almighty grants me the ability to serve the cause of Islam, makes me righteous and enables me to act according to the ten conditions of Bayt. A missionary from Russia, Ataul Wahid Sahib writes that Allah the Almighty drew the attention of a young man towards Ahmadiyya. He lives in a small city and we came into contact with him about a year and a half ago. His father had moved away from religion. However, Marcel's mother, i.e. this young man's mother, was an orthodox Christian. The missionary further writes that Marcel has an older brother who is also a Christian. However, Marcel's attention was drawn towards Islam due to his father's native roots as he was originally a Muslim. And so he was drawn towards Islam and accepted it. However, he accepted Sunni Islam. And even after accepting Islam, he says that he would have many questions about the teachings and the local cleric could not provide satisfactory answers. The uneasiness grew and it was during this time that through the internet, Allah the Almighty connected him to the Ahmadiyya community in Russia, from whom Marcel started receiving satisfactory answers to his questions. He says that I went to many places in order to try and understand Islam, but I found the true Islam in Ahmadiyya. Hence, he pledged allegiance. The missionary in charge in the Philippines says 
that there are 139 people on an island here who pledged allegiance, including the principal of a school and two imams, and also four imams of mosques did the bayt as well. He further says that one of the imams of a mosque, Haji Isa, said that the mosque for which he was an imam now belonged to the Ahmadiyya community. Another person has gifted some land beside the mosque to the community as well, where a mission house is intended to be built during the year so that a permanent local missionary may be appointed there. He also says that this Imam also presents financial sacrifices. It is not that he simply collects money, rather he has a shop and a business and he offers financial sacrifices as well. One day he said that he made a financial sacrifice of 500 pesos and then in order to strengthen his faith, Allah the Almighty gave him a hundred thousand pesos unexpectedly from somewhere the very next day. Thus, this is how Allah the Almighty Himself guides pure-natured people. Then the missionary from Sikasa region in Mali writes, the Marwan Kolibali Sahib came to the Ahmadiyya mission house and said that he wished to do the bad. He said that he fondly listened to Radio Ahmadiyya and agreed with majority of the aspects related to the community. However, his heart would not let him pledge allegiance. He said that the day before he fell asleep as he was listening to the radio and he saw in a dream that the moon was sparkling bright in the sky and there were pictures of two people in the moon. One picture was large and the other was small and the children nearby were crying out that these are the pictures of the Imam Mahdi and his Khalifa and they have arrived. Marwan Saib says that he asked an elder nearby whether he could see the picture as well in the dream, to which he replied that he could not. However, he says that his heart was content upon the fact that Ahmadiyyat was the true community which is announcing the coming of the Imam Mahdi. And when he saw the pictures of the Khulafa and the Promised Messiah, he recognized the larger picture to be of the Promised Messiah and the other picture was of me, and he said that these were the very pictures he saw in his dream. Amir Sahib of Spain writes that Carlos took the Pledge of Allegiance this year. He had become a Muslim earlier and was thus named Abdus Salam. In a dream, he saw the Promised Messiah inviting him towards peace. After that dream, one day his wife was showing him something on the internet when he saw a picture of the Promised Messiah and he remarked that this was the same person who was inviting him towards peace in his dream. Upon this, he started conducting research on Ahmadiyyat and after a few days, he saw another dream. In the dream, the Promised Messiah said to him that I am the Imam Mahdi and the Messiah. Following this dream, although his heart had accepted Ahmadiyyat, However, he did not formally pledge allegiance and continued his research. He then saw the Promised Messiah in a dream for a third time and this time there was an expression of displeasure on his face. Upon this, he contacted the community immediately and took the Pledge of Allegiance.
Despite the relentless efforts of our enemies, new converts express steadfastness in their faith. For example, an elderly member from Mahdiabad, Burkina Faso, by the name of Saydu Jika Sahib says that when majority of our village accepted Ahmadiyyat, one of my cousins living in Saudi Arabia called us there and covered all of the travel expenses. When we arrived there, he took us to visit the Holy Kaaba and said that these are the holy sites of Islam and Islam originated from here, not from Pakistan. Thus, adhere to the Wahhabi beliefs here and renounce Ahmadiyyat. Upon this, I said, that did you bring us here to tell us this? He nodded in affirmation. Upon this, I responded that I stand in the shade of this holy place and I pray that a time never comes upon me in my life where I have to reject Ahmadiyyat. He further states that at the Holy Kaaba I prayed that Allah the Almighty takes my life in a state of belief and that I never turn away from faith. After this, I swiftly returned to Burkina Faso and it so happened that the same cousin came to Burkina Faso to visit his family and relatives and Al-Hajj Ibrahim Sahib preached to him and as a result, he too entered the fold of Ahmadiyyat. Thus, the one who sought to move us away from Ahmadiyyat became an Ahmadi himself. Then in relation to the resolve and determination in the face of opposition, the Emir Sahib of Burkina Faso says that the Muallim of the Dori region, Umar Deko Sahib said, that one day a group of Wahhabi clerics came to my house and told me to renounce Ahmadiyyat, otherwise they would kill me. Umar Deku Sahib responded that you may kill me, but it is impossible for me to renounce Ahmadiyyat, nor will I cease in preaching. Upon this, they left enraged, and the next day armed men came to his home and the other Ahmadi members advised him to go to Dori. Then that night, the Muallim remained engaged in prayer along with his family and sought guidance from Allah the Almighty. The Muallim saw a person in a dream by the name of Ismail and he said, O Umar, where are you going? He replied, Dori, to which the man responded, All right. And the next morning after this dream, he migrated to Dori with a taxi driver who ensured that he arrived safely. Upon arriving to Dori, his wife called and informed him that armed people came in search for him and in this way Allah the Almighty also saved his life. A villager in Osin, Nigeria by the name of Badr Adrmi Sahib had the opportunity to accept Ahmadiyyat. He is a farmer and prior to accepting Ahmadiyyat he was an active member of a group that was opposed to our Jamaat. He says that the missionary in the village introduced me to the community and my interest to learn more about the Ahmadiyya community grew. After doing research for some time, I accepted Ahmadiyyat and after pledging allegiance, I had to endure severe opposition from the other villagers and I was given three months' time to renounce Ahmadiyyat otherwise my home would be destroyed. I was very worried as a result of this 
and one day I went to work in the fields, and a severe storm was bearing down, and I was certain that when I returned my home would have perished to the storm. However, when I returned home, I saw that all the other houses to the right and left of my house had been completely destroyed. Approximately 50 houses had been destroyed, and not only were the roofs of the houses destroyed, but the entire structures were also reduced to rubble. During that time, I was reminded of what the enemies said to me, that because you had accepted Ahmadiyyat, you will one day return to your home to witness that it has been destroyed. And upon this I had prayed that, O oh Allah, if this is your community, and if the promised Messiah is the same promised Mahdi whose advent was foretold by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then do not let my house fall. And so, when the rain subsided, I entered my home and I saw that every room was unharmed and no damage was incurred, despite the fact that many houses nearby had been completely destroyed. After this incident, my faith in Ahmadiyyat has strengthened and I am certain that this community is indeed a divine community. In any case, in every country of the world, Allah the Almighty manifests such incidents and His help for the Promised Messiah who taught us the true teachings of Islam. And indeed, this is the greatest proof for the truthfulness of the Ahmadiyya community. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, these incidents are strengthening people's faith. We pray that may Allah the Almighty enable the world to see this as well and enable them to attain certainty and conviction in their faith. Now I shall mention some deceased members and lead their funeral prayers in absentia. And along with this, I would also like to say that these days, COVID is spreading once again and so people should take precautions in this regard. The first deceased member I will mention is Amtul Hadi Sahiba, wife of Pir Ziauddin Sahib. She was the daughter of Hazrat Dr. Mir Muhammad Ismail Sahib and she passed away a few days ago at the age of 92. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Her son, Peer Shabir Ahmed, is the Vice President of the Community in Islamabad and her other son, Brigadier Dabir Ahmed, is an Administrator at the Fazl-e-Umar Hospital. He dedicated his life after retirement and she also has two daughters. Her son writes that ever since childhood, my siblings and I have observed our mother pray and recite the Holy Quran with regularity. She would regularly give alms and watch MTA and she actively participated in various financial schemes of the Jamaat. She was part of Daftar Awwal for her contribution towards Tehreek-e-Jadid. He further says that in 1971, during the war between Pakistan and India, her husband, Brigadier Ziauddin Sahib, was in eastern Pakistan, which is now Bangladesh, and he stayed there for a very long period of time. Her son, Pir Dabir, says that my mother and younger sister were also there with him. And after some time, my father sent my mother and younger sister back. 
My mother used to remain worried, but she never expressed her concern to us children. Rather, she would continue to reassure us. And six months later, her husband returned. He further says that on Eid, she always advised us to look after the poor and give them monetary gifts. And twice annually, she would donate large sums to humanity first. Dr. Nuri Sahib has also mentioned this quality about her. She would donate for instilling water wells, hand pumps, for children's education and to provide food to the poor. Her daughter, Amtul Kabir Talat says regarding her that she recited the Holy Quran aloud and never engaged in backbiting. She would also stop others from backbiting and she had a bond of devotion with Khilafat. She watched MTA regularly and listened to the Friday sermons. She would always advise us that there are great benefits to reading the literature of our community. She was also keen on reading and always had a book by a pillow that she would read. She was extremely friendly and amicable. Her granddaughter says that whenever we memorized a new chapter of the Holy Quran, she would give us a reward to encourage us. She further says that after the Fajr prayer, she would consistently engage in long periods of prayer and in remembrance of Allah, and she would advise me to do the same. After getting ready in the morning, she would study the Holy Quran with its commentary, and she would also read Hadithatul Salihin and Ruhani Khazain, and then have breakfast. May Allah the Almighty grant her His mercy and forgiveness and elevate her station, and may He also instill her virtues amongst her children as well. The next mention is of respected Saqib Kamran Sahib, who was a life devotee and currently serving as Naib Vakil Sami Basri. He passed away, according to divine decree, at the age of 42. The doctors believe that he passed away due to food poisoning. And another tragedy is that approximately 45 minutes prior to Saqib Sahib's demise, his son Arif Kamran, who had also eaten the same food, passed away. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Verily to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. Saqib Kamran Sahib's great paternal grandfather, Hazrat Chaudhary Mola Baksh Sahib Talwandi Jumla Gurdaspur, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, did the bath of the promised Messiah, alayhi salatu wassalam. Kamran Sahib dedicated his life for the service of Islam and entered Jamia Ahmadiyya and after graduating from there was appointed in various places. Allah the Almighty blessed him with one daughter and two sons. Rumesa Kashfa is 17 years of age and Ghalib Kamran is 13 years of age and his youngest son passed away with him. The entire family had fallen ill and Allah the Almighty saved the others. After graduating from Jamia Ahmadiyya, he was posted to Nizarat Islaw Irshad Mukami, and later he was selected to specialize in the subject of Hadith. Later, under Vakalat e Talim in Tariq e Jadid, he was then sent to Syria in order to acquire further education in the Arabic language. However, due to the circumstances there, he had to return, or perhaps another reason. Thereafter, in December 2018, 
The studios of Tariq-e-Jadid were established and he was appointed as the Naib Vakil Sami Basri in Tariq-e-Jadid and he continued to serve in this position until his demise. Allah the Almighty granted him the opportunity to serve for 18 years. His mother, Sadka Begum Saiba, says that Kamran was born before the waqf e scheme was launched and so she requested Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih IV rahimahullah, to accept her two young sons in the waqf e scheme. Hazrat Khalifat al-Masih IV rahimahullah, accepted her request and included them in the waqf e scheme. His wife says that he had a very beautiful character and it is impossible to describe in words. He paid great attention towards his prayers and had great love for Khilafat. He would take great care of Jamaat property and he showed a lot of love to everyone he had a relation with. He would take care of everyone and every member of the Jamaat. She further says that he would always strive to provide his children with an excellent upbringing. His mother has also said that he never spoke with a raised voice before his parents, just as it is mentioned in the Holy Quran to not utter any word expressive of disgust before one's parents. He would never disclose the secrets of his friends and nor reveal the confidential matters of the Jamaat. His wife says that if they heard about a certain matter from outside, they would ask him about it and he would say that the information was a trust and therefore he would not say anything about it to him. He paid great attention towards offering prayers in congregation and he would also advise his children about this as well. He would always strive to take care of his children and wife at home and try to fulfil all their needs. He was extremely faithful to all his relations. His daughter, Rumesa, says that my father was extremely humble and pious. He always looked after the poor, was very wise and insightful and always showed obedience and was regular in offering his tahajjud prayer. He had a very unique way of providing us with a moral training and would be able to teach us with just the mere gesture of his eye. He would always be thinking about our moral training and he would always tell us that we are waqfeno and to always be mindful of this. I would be able to ask him so many different questions and regardless of whatever state he was in, he would never show any reluctance to answer my questions. Rohan Ahmed Saib, who is a missionary and currently imprisoned due to his faith, says that I had the opportunity to work a long time under his supervision and training. He always guided me like a compassionate friend. He was very kind-natured and a good person and possessed great leadership skills. He further says that he was a very sincere servant of the Jamaat and his generosity and compassionate nature was unparalleled. Also pray for those who have been imprisoned due to their faith that may Allah the Almighty grant the means for their swift release. May Allah the Almighty grant the deceased his forgiveness and mercy and elevate his status. May he also grant patience and steadfastness to his children, wife and mother and enable his children to continue on his good deeds. The third mention is of Professor Dr. Muhammad Ishaq Dauda Sahib from Kotono, Benin. He recently passed away at the age of 60. 
He belonged to the Dauda family of Benin, whose members were the very first people to accept Ahmadiyyat in Benin. The very first Ahmadi in Benin, respected Zikrullah Daud Sahib, was his paternal uncle. His father, the late Isa Daud, served as the deputy national emir of Benin until his demise. In 1980, whilst he was still a student, the deceased accepted Ahmadiyyat through the preaching efforts of Zikrullah Daud Sahib. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, he, along with his uncle, preached to his own parents, and after some time, his parents accepted Ahmadiyyat as well. In 2022, he acquired a PhD in zoology from a university in Senegal, and upon returning to Benin, he was appointed as a professor at Paraka University in Benin. Owing to his intellectual abilities, he attended many conferences within the country and abroad. He had the opportunity to serve as Sadr Khudam al-Ahmadiyya of Benin for a long time. He entered the scheme of Al-Wasiyyat whilst he was still a student, and in this way he had the honour of becoming the very first Musi of Benin. His wife, Rehana Dauda Sahib, who is currently serving as the National Secretary for Tarbiyat, says, that I accepted Ahmadiyyat after my marriage through the tabligh of my husband. He first taught me Yasin al-Qur'an and then the Holy Qur'an. He was a very noble, trustworthy and compassionate person and looked after the poor. He would always be ready to serve for the Jamaat work and he was regular in his tahajjud prayer. He would always advise me to recite the Holy Qur'an in the house so that through this God Almighty's mercy will be bestowed upon our house. She further says that when he was working as the deputy dean of the university, one day a woman came crying to him and said that her daughter was failing and asked him to pass her. She said that if she did not pass, then her husband would no longer pay her fees and will hit her. She brought a lot of money with her and wanted to give it to him. Dauda Sahib said that if people are to pass by paying money, then the poor will never be able to pass. You have brought this money here in order to bribe me. However, I am an Ahmadi and will not do such a thing. You should take back this money and submit the fees and if there is any shortage, I will give you more money. However, to accept a bribe and thereby pass your daughter cannot happen. In any case, she left the bag of money with him and left. I told him that the bag of money was still here and so he picked it up and took it to the accountant of the university. Upon having the money returned, the lady asked how she knew where she lived because she did not even know her. The woman who was returning the money replied that the accountant of the university told her. He had in fact taken the money and gave it to the accountant and told him to return it. Following this, a meeting was called in the university and the entire matter was discussed before all the professors of the university and the executive stated that there was a total of 300,000 francs, whereas this was only 150,000 francs. However, it was the accountant himself who was responsible for this. In any case, his opponents wanted to remove him from the position of the deputy dean by accusing him of accepting bribery but they failed in their efforts. And later, the staff of the university and his colleagues openly expressed that he was a very trustworthy individual. He would always take care of the poor widows of the local area. 
and would help fix their houses and treat their children with kindness. He would show love to every member. Upon his demise, many of the professors from the agricultural department from the University of Paraco came to express their condolences. And Professor Dr. Ibrahim says that he was an extremely humble and honest person. He says that he was commonly known in the university as Papa Bonner, which is a French word, and means one who gives blessings to everyone. He says if anyone was in need, he would give them whatever he had in his pocket and never let them go empty-handed. He had great trust in Allah the Almighty. Ishaq Daud Sahib had immense love for the promised Messiah and with Khilafat. He had so much love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he would pray, O Allah, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's age was 63, so do not let me live longer than that. He also told a missionary once that when he went to France for a heart surgery, he became a heart patient later, that the doctor at the hospital tried to take his ring off, which had, is Allah not sufficient for his servant, inscribed on it. And he said that do not take this ring off. This will remain with me till my demise, because these are the blessings of Allah the Almighty, which I am always mindful of. Mia Kamar, who is currently serving as the acting Amir and the missionary in charge, says, when I was the regional missionary in Paraco, as soon as he would receive his salary, he would place his Vasiyat Janda and other Jamaat financial contributions from it into an envelope and bring it to the mosque straight away and ask for a receipt. He was always smiling and at the time of every hardship and worry, he would say that I am praying and I have also written to the Khalifa of the time for prayers. Allah the Almighty will create ease. He is survived by his wife, two daughters and two sons. His eldest daughter, Aziza Muqsid Dauda, is currently completing her PhD in agricultural studies. And both sons, Raqib Dauda and Masroor Dauda, are studying in the field of computer studies. May Allah the Almighty enable his children to follow in the footsteps of his good deeds and grant the deceased his mercy and forgiveness and elevate his station. After the Friday prayer, I shall lead the funeral prayers in absentia. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> Shai, Wal Munkare, Wal Bari, 